Inside Psychology Nerds, and welcome to Psychology and Stuff, the podcast out of Phoenix Studios at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. I'm Ryan Martin, one of the hosts of Psychology and Stuff, and I'm here, as always, with my co-host, chair of the UW-Green Bay Psychology Program, Dr. Georgina Wilson-Dungess. How's it going, G? It is going fantastic. It's so nice to be back for our new season, 21-22. So excited uh, to see who we are going to interview uh, this year. And, and so we have it on social media. If you have anything that you would really like to hear us or a person that you'd like us to interview, please let us know um, via our social media channels. So yeah. everything's good. How about you, Ryan? I'm doing well, but I have to ask because I believe you are back in the classroom, like physically in a classroom for the first time in a year and a half. Is that right? That is correct, and it has been glorious. Nice. It has been fantastic. Our students have really missed um, being together in a classroom and um, and just being able to see people in 3D is pretty amazing. <laughs> I'm more than a talking head, it, it turns out. <laughs> yeah, I, am, I am actually on my way to do a talk as soon as this is done, and it will be the first time I've stood in front of people like for this kind of talk. I did a whole bunch of virtual ones over the, obviously, but, but the first time I actually do a talk since what, March 12th? uh of 2019 is that no 20, 2020 2020 <laughs> when did everything go to hell sorry um yeah so and speaking of that room because one of uh, our fabulous intern kelsey was in that last classroom uh that i that i ever spoke in so kelsey how's it going going well so happy to be back and to be doing this again <laughs> I know we feel so lucky that you actually like signed up again. Ryan and I were like, oh, she'll never want to come back. We tormented her last season, but it's so nice to have you back. You guys are very lovable, likable people. So <laughs> I will I will stick it out as long as you'll have me. Although I do graduate <laughs> soon, so that might be problematic. Or, or do you? Like we have some control over that. <laughs> um, so um, and actually, so Kelsey is also working in the dean's office this term, so there's a chance she's going to be real tired of me when all this is over. And so that's, bad. that's a strong <laughs> chance. Yeah. So um, you can see Kelsey's fabulous work uh, on our social media accounts. That's at Psych and Stuff. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Tons of great stuff going on there. Should we get to our guests? I'm excited to get to our guests. Yes. All right, let's do it. So our guest today is a brand new instructor here at UW-Green Bay in the psychology program. He has a bachelor's degree in psychology from Virginia Commonwealth. His master's degree is in psych from Tufts and his PhD is in experimental psych from Tufts University. He has a fascinating professional journey that brought him thankfully to the UW-Green Bay. Uh, having taught and run research labs at Duke, Tufts, and elsewhere, he's got an amazing record of scholarship and teaching on a variety of topics, but most recently studying the neurobiology of excessive aggressive behavior. We're going to unpack all of that and more on today's episode with Dr. Herb Covington. How's it going, Herb? Oh, it's going great, and it's fantastic to be here. Thank you so much for having me today. I, I'm so glad to have you, um, not just on the show, but at UW-Green Bay. So um, I... Uh, I got to talk to you over the summer a little bit, um, and I, today I got to read up on your on your journey. Um, 
to uh, to into your your academic journey, I should say. And I'm I'm fascinated by all of it. So fascinated, I'm actually not 100% sure where we should start. But I guess <laughs> here's where I'd like to start, and then and then we can go wherever wherever we want to go after that. Absolutely. Um, what, what was it that interested you in psychology in the very first place? When we think back to Virginia Commonwealth, how did, uh, how did, you, how did you get interested? Oh, that's a really, really great question. And you know, it's one of those questions where I often look back and there was a combination of things that, that made me extremely grateful for how I ended up in this position. You know, I grew up in a really rural part of Virginia. And I, you know, throughout my high school years, I worked outside a lot. Um, no one in my family had actually gone to a four-year college. <clears throat> my father had gone to a two-year um, college for, for a year or two. And he, he, that, you know, it, it was impressed upon me that, you know, working hard was one of those big valued contributions to family, community, society. And I, I you know, more or less expected to follow in that path. Um, all of my, you know, closest friends did in high school and college was, very much um, a part of only a select few, I would say, that came from that dynamic that, that I was involved in. Um, and then right before, it was somewhere in my senior year of high school, <laughs> I remember going to one of these large community events. It was, it was a fish fry. Um, and my, my mom had met someone that she worked with whose husband was a graduate student in the psychology department at Virginia Commonwealth University, uh, where I was just starting to sort of think about as an option before I eliminated it from my plate. And uh, he started talking about the brain and he, he started talking about psychology. And at that point, you know, I thought psychology was completely devoted to, um, you know, things that had sort of an element of clinical psychology associated with it. Applied psychology was all I had ever heard about. And, and here was this, this guy talking about how exciting it was to do experiments and manipulate the brain. Um, and I, I just couldn't believe it. So when, when we finished that conversation, I was really, really excited. And I went home and I actually filled out the application for Virginia Commonwealth University. Um, and, and then a month or two later, I, I found out I was accepted and I went, um, and at, before I did anything else or registered for classes, I visited the lab that he was a part of. Um, and, you know, in my first year of being a student that had never really taken academics <clears throat> as seriously as I, as, as I probably could have, um, I, I realized it, it, it meant a lot um, to, to personal development, to intrigue, and to developing a, a real sort of career path. Um, and it, it was very different from anything that I had known or felt familiar with. So it was a little scary. You know, everyone, you know, that I was close to at that time questioned it. It was really out of anyone's comfort zone. So I relied exclusively on sort of my gut instincts and and, and my intrigue, um, understanding that the brain was you know, a billion cell or billions of cells, and there was a lot to be learned. It, it was just, it was this endless opportunity for learning. And I spent four years working in that lab. Um, and I, you know, by my senior year, I, I really didn't realize the importance of it, but I had learned the process of, you know, scientific 
intrigue and, and, and what it takes to actually answer just a, maybe a really simple question. Um, and it took me four years to really participate in that process and, and to get an appreciation for it. Um, so really, you know, after I had met that graduate student, I met the PI, I met, you know, who is still a lifelong friend of mine, <clears throat> who was, who was, you know, a, a professor at Virginia Commonwealth University and had been there for years. And I just loved everything about this person. Um, his, his ability to navigate science, his, his love for teaching, and, um, you know, his personal life. You know, he talked about his family and teaching soccer, coaching soccer and, and things like that. So I just saw this well-balanced um, person, uh, one, one, one that I had never really had an opportunity to interact with before um, and, and wasn't worried about the same things that I had seen most people worry about in the past. So it, it instilled upon me um, how discipline and persistence and patience and, and using you know, your creative talents to come up with ways to answer questions that would be beneficial on a broader scale was what I wanted to do. Um, and I, I immediately uh, sort of approached someone at a big scientific conference in my senior year of being at Virginia Commonwealth <clears throat> who had a, a large lab and was publishing in, in the literature and had been following that, that line of work. And it involved sort of how can you approach the concept of substance use disorders in an experimental fashion to understand what's happening in the brain at that level? And I was completely taken uh, by the questions that this person was asking. Um, I talked to others in the field that I had gotten to know throughout my four years of doing research, and they said, you're going to work where? That is so crazy. It's going to be so hard, and, and you'll never do anything else. And I didn't want to apply anywhere else. Um, I was just that drawn to uh, being in that context and, and sort of having my life inundated with this type of science. Um, and I, you know, I think that's a big part of being able to make it through, um, you know, a real... Uh, serious and, and um, time-consuming process that, that science can have on a person. Um, so, so, you know, for the first four years of graduate school, that was utterly amazing. Um, I really learned a lot about how it's, it, it's important to be, as a, as a psychologist, really clear about defining your, your, your operational definitions and what they actually mean and how you can translate that. Um, and then I spent a couple of years learning, you know, some really difficult methodologies. Um, I think that was a big critical part. It wasn't nearly as much fun as the creative aspect, but being able to answer the questions with confidence and substantiate your ideas with the right experiment, I learned was, a, you know, a big part of the dissertation. Um, so, you know, I put all of that together. And after seven years, it took me seven years to really become what I thought was um, reasonably good at assessing behavior on, on that level and making translational sense and bringing value to coming up with the way to approach complex, you know, psychiatric situations like, like substance use disorders and what's going on in the brain, that I wanted to learn something totally different. Um, and I went to another meeting, and I think going to meetings was a big part of my experience then and, and hearing what the other you know, intellectuals and scientists said on a specific topic. And there was this very quick, brief period of time after a talk where I got to speak. 
with, with a, you know, a leader in the field. And she was from Michigan. And I asked her, um, what do you think would be an appropriate way to approach a postdoc, um, doing something outside of graduate school for, for a couple of years? Should I focus on what my skill set is? And, and should I make, you know, should I sharpen that? Or should I do something completely different? Because I really want to do something different. And she said, be as different as you possibly can. Um, and I took her advice. And sure enough, I went to a lab that was pioneering all of this molecular work, um, tools to look at the brain um, in a very specific sort of fashion, you know, taking out individual cells and then extracting DNA from those cells and characterizing, you know, individual differences based on their patterns of gene expression. And clearly I was not a biochemist, but all of the other trainees in that, in that laboratory were straight up biochemists. Um, and here I am a, a psychologist uh, and, and kind of a fish out of water, but it was absolutely terrific. Um, we complemented each other in the laboratory, you know, better than I could have ever expected. Uh, the, you know, they really needed to know, have some insight on what's happening with regards to behavior. And I learned all of these fascinating ways that you could approach investigations of, you know, the neurobiology associated with psychiatric illness. Um, what was really great about that experience was that the, the, the head of that laboratory was a clinician slash scientist. And his approach to, you know, understanding how to you know, ask questions was, I, I mean, he wasn't anything short of brilliant, but it, 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 was, it was different than anything I had experienced before. And one of the things I, I learned very quickly was that there's lots of overlap um, with, with different types of what we call psychiatric illness you know, depression, anxiety, drug abuse, they all sort of have um, a, a, a starting point that, that seems to be very similar, um, even with regards to schizophrenia or involve, you know, neurotransmitter, there are only a handful of neurotransmitter systems really, but thousands and thousands of, of receptors and different ways in which they can be influenced <clears throat> and teasing those apart is, 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 is going to be important down the road. Um, maybe not right now, but down the road. So I had all of this experience and learned the right kinds of tools to continue doing uh, science. Um, but that other aspect of what I, I started this endeavor, you know, back in, as an undergraduate for was completely missing. Um, I hadn't had a lot of opportunities to teach. I had been really immersed in the laboratory. Um, and that, that experience gave me you know, insight towards all of these ways of approaching illness and understanding what we don't know, actually. Um, but it, it did not give me those or afford me that opportunity to, to stop writing papers and looking at how to write, you know, writing grants is such a big part of it. If you have brilliant ideas and you want people to um, appreciate those and then fund those, you know, that takes a very, uh, special set of skills. Um, I, and I, I recognize that I, I had many of those skills and I, I liked utilizing them, but I have no off switch when it comes to, you know, when you get started. <laughs> and that, that took off, um, you know, in, in my personal life, like to a major degree, everything I did, I lived, breathed, I, I slept, ate science. Um, and <laughs> that, for some, I think that's very, they, you know, my colleagues love it. Uh, the ones that are really successful, that's what they do. Uh, but I wasn't 
doing what I had set out for um, all along, which was to be in the classroom. I, you know, I, I felt the energy of being in a classroom and having that conversation and seeing others. I mean, it all boils down to seeing others affected the way I was when a graduate student sat down at a picnic table with me and told me about his experiments in the lab. Um, and that kind of energy, you know, I, I, I love interacting with individuals and being in the lab 24 seven can, can, it's just a different, it's a different ball game. Uh, so you have a question? I was just going to say, I, you know, one of the things I think you, one of the questions I had for you is what do you love about teaching? But honestly, I'm hearing it I'm hearing it come out in your answer to that first question, you know, the, the, how much you sort of, I mean, the, the passion you seem to have for the areas you're studying feels infectious, right? It feels like the kind of thing that you just want to help pass on to, to people. Oh, no, absolutely. And I think there are, you know, there are certainly individuals out there that can do that. And, and if anyone is out there that can do that, and, and I can feed them that message just so that they can see um, how important it is to, to spend that time asking questions, I, I would love for them to, to have the opportunity to go for it. Um, you know, it, it's, it's demanding and it's challenging, but for those who love it, I can't, I, you know, I can't overstate how how rewarding it is to be in that sort of position um, to be pulling the levers and uh, making big decisions and writing grants that you think are going to change the way people look at a phenomenon or actually think about a phenomenon. Um, and when it comes to complex types of, of illness, like you know what what occurs in psychiatry, psychologists need to be at the forefront doing that. Uh, there have to be individuals that can come up with a creative way of explaining a, a very specific type of behavior. Um, because when it comes down to it, you know, the more we can recognize those mechanisms involved in that process, the easier it will be to, to maybe change those types of behaviors. I thought it was really interesting that um, in the very beginning of your story, you mentioned being like a first generation college student. Um, which I, I was as well. And I think um, many of our students at UW-Green Bay are first-gen college students. And I, I find that they don't believe that they have the skills or, or the ability to do some of the amazing research that you've done. And I was really inspired by your story of saying, like, you know what? I did <laughs> this goes like I actually did even though I was never exposed to them never like exactly. all through high school you were never exposed to uh, you know like a mouse outside of like running around in the backyard you know like, <laughs> right, right, right. and yet you were able to develop those skills and I also think it links into curiosity like that you had within yourself a curiosity to learn how mm -hmm. to do those those things. Um, yeah. Do you think that that was key to your success? Absolutely. And and what I I think you're exactly right. It was a combination. It was a combination of curiosity. Um, you know, it, it wasn't easy when I when I started and and in, in college. Um, I worked full time all the way through, and, and that was a challenge in and of itself. I was really fortunate that that energy that I brought into wanting to do science 
landed me a job in the pharmacology department of the medical school at Virginia Commonwealth University doing science. Um, I was really lucky. And, you know, I, I, I encounter students quite often that are just starting in college or they're in their sophomore junior year as, as a really um, popular time to, to take that interest and go for, you know, a scientific project. But those, those positions, you know, are there, I didn't know it at the time, but they're so competitive. You know, everyone wants to jump into an experimental um, sort of dynamic where they can, they can do experiments and learn about the experimental process, but at the same time, you know, make money. Um, I, <laughs> I, was, I was super, super lucky, but it's only because I, you know, I think, you know, the, the, the investigators in those labs knew the laboratory I was working in, there was a lot of collaboration and I was going to every meeting and I was participating, probably participating more than anyone expected me to. But whenever an opportunity came to attend a meeting or to go to a conference or to, I, I, I supported it myself, I went. Um, but that all came with a, a really, I, you know, I understood this very quickly when I started in college, is that this was an opportunity that's only going to last four years. Um, and I structured as much of my life around that four years as, as well as I could to accommodate anything that came my way. Um, and, and that was hard, I mean, it, but it took a, a, bit, a bit of, you know, that, that just my, that gut feeling and, you know, that curiosity. If, if I had let, you know, even, even, you know, members of my family that said, what are you doing? Uh, influence the way that I thought. I probably would have spent more time, you know, um, committed to, you know, job opportunities near home, um, even though where I went to school was only an hour's drive from uh, where I grew up, it was enough space to let me start to think a little bit outside of the box. Um, and, and that, that was a very, that was a difficult challenge uh, to overcome. And it, it still is to this day. You know, my, my family all still lives in the same town that we grew up in, um, everyone. And they, they still question as to why are you still going off? And, and <laughs> um, so, you know, and that, there's a lot of, you know, family culture involved in these big decisions, but I certainly try to appreciate that when you're in college, um, you do have this opportunity to explore, you know, a lot of information that's out there. And a lot of, you know, there's just an enormous variety of opportunities and you have to be selective. Um, and I, I thought it was more important to put all of my energy into that one thing that really uh, sparked my interest. And that just happened to be working in a research lab. Um, and, you know, I had friends that did the same thing with art and they're flourishing in their art career. Um, so, so it all, you know, what, whatever that, that spark provides, you know, embrace it because you may not have that opportunity after the four years is up. Um, and, and Green Bay certainly has, you know, that, that a lot of different opportunities to pursue. Yeah, yeah so I have a, a whole billion things as we're kind of wrapping up here. 
um, or, or moving into our, our new segment, our, our new old segment, five questions. Which I, think <laughs> I told you about in advance. I'll, I'll explain that in a moment. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, I, one thing I want to say, and I don't think we have time to do it today, but I really want to sit down and talk with you more about your research on, on neurobiology of excessive aggressive behavior. And like, I, I actually think that might be a, another episode we do sometime this year, if, if that's okay. Cause I, and Georgina's clapping. So that tells me she's on board. But yeah, no, that, that to me is just an amazing topic. And it, it brings up several different ways of looking at from a psychology perspective, behavior that is way underappreciated, not only in the public, but even in the scientific realm, even at the level of NIH, there, there's, there's a lot there that should be approached um, more, more sort of uh, intensely. So I, I, would be, I would be happy to talk about that. I could easily <laughs> talk about that all day long. Yeah. Well, well, let's leave for our listeners, before we get to five questions, I'm curious, could you tell our listeners um, sort of, especially because many of them are UW Green Bay students, like what you're teaching right now, um, what, you're, uh, what you're interested in teaching in the future, just kind of lay that down for people to talk a little bit about how you kind of approach some of those things, and then we'll transition into our, our segment. Absolutely. So, you know, it's, it's wonderful. There are, I, you know, I have four classes right now, and I would love, I could start each each a description of each of those courses off with, this is my favorite class. Um, and, but they all have a different take on why I think each one is special. But you know, I'm teaching introductory psychology. That to me really sort of allows that one opportunity um, for a lot of students who didn't have the same fortune that I did to sit down at a picnic table with a graduate student to tell me all about psychology and what it really was about. Um, I was just wrong. And there's not just applied, you know, approaches to psychology, but there's basic science and 90% of psychology is basic science. Um, so I can, I can emphasize that and, 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 and I can share that to some degree. Um, in addition to that, there's research methods, which of course dovetails from that class almost perfectly uh, because, you know, everything that I trained myself in without really realizing it was how to design the best experiment or answer the, the most appropriate hypothesis and, and how much variety that can exist with regards to those two things. Um, in addition to writing, um, I really, you know, coming out of high school in a rural county in Virginia, I never really paid attention to my writing. And all of a sudden that became the most important aspect of my life. You know, being able to write and get your message across is, is really key to being successful in, in a lot of different fields, not just science, but particularly science. Um, in addition to that, one of my, you know, the course that I hold true and, and dear to my heart is drugs and behavior, uh, probably because I was in a psychopharmacology lab during graduate school, and then learned the ins and outs of what happened behind the receptor uh, that's associated, you know, with pharmacology inside of the cell. So I, I feel really, you know, attached to that material. Um, and Probably, you know, the most uh, inspirational course that I'm teaching is cognitive, uh, the processes of cognitive psychology, um, processes in cognitive psychology. And that's, a, you know, a very fundamental cognitive psychology class that when I was a graduate student, I took that class on a graduate level. And it, it may have been the instructor, she, uh, Dr. Holly Taylor. She is a wonderful instructor. Um, she's one of the best instructors I think I've ever had. 
but she also presented material that I just thought was exceptionally cool. Um, every experiment in cognitive psychology is just fun. Um, they're asking really great questions. They're pushing the envelope with things like, you know, morality. What is consciousness? Or do we have free will? Or is that just something we hope for? Um, it's, it's amazing. So that class is, is fun, um, and, but it teaches me a lot about uh, everything else that I've learned and putting it into a big perspective. Over the summer, I'll definitely be teaching, I think it's a capstone course, right, Giorgio? Um, yep. uh, on, on the biological roots of violence. And nice. that, that will definitely, uh, I think, spark some intrigue. I would like to take that. Um, that sounds <laughs> incredible. I'm gonna audit your violence class. There you go. Maybe all <laughs> of us know. Your, your input would be really, really appreciated. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, that would be a lot of fun. So, yeah. Herb, I really I insist on having you back on at some point to talk about the the violence, aggression stuff. I really do. I think it would. I think our listeners would love it, and I know I would love it. So let's let's plan on that at some point. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So by way of a transition into our our five our game five questions here, I should say when this podcast first started, I we were we were doing these meetings in person uh, and I would literally draw five questions from a hat with all of our guests and ask them those five questions. Um, we went away from that for a little while and we're coming back to it today. We are replacing for longtime listeners know Georgina and I have had a, a series called a positive note. We've ended every episode with a positive note. Um, we are moving that actually to our uh, our psych and stuff shorts, the little Facebook videos we do every other week. So don't worry if you if you liked those a lot, you can still get them uh, in our uh, in our videos. But instead, we're going to keep the focus on our guests and ask them five questions that I draw from. In this case, a metaphorical hat because <laughs> my printer doesn't work, um, and so I couldn't print out the questions today. Uh, instead, I um, I use random.org. I don't know if either of you have ever been to random.org. I actually love this website. I use it. I sometimes use it to decide what I should do on my to-do list next, which is probably <laughs> the most efficient way of, I think there's a lot of efficiency experts that would tr be troubled by that approach. But, <laughs> but I, I sometimes when I'm not sure what I want to do next, I, I just put them all in and see what comes up. Are you ready for our final? Absolutely. I hope so. I, <laughs> I don't do much else. So. <laughs> should it be too, too hard? Um, all right. So, uh, what was your favorite movie as a child? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, I, it's a tie between Star Wars and probably E.T. Um, the original Star Wars. You know, I like, for some reason, I, you know, I, the newer Star Wars just don't have that gritty feel to it. Um, so, I, you know, I still, if I had the opportunity to go back and watch a rerun, I'd, I'd watch the original Star Wars. Um, but E.T. was also really good. Yeah. Um, I remind me to tell you how my son reacted to E.T. I watched it on Father's I'll just tell you now. I watched it on Father's Day with my son. And when E.T., spoiler alert, when E.T. looks like he is dying, my son sobbed. Sobbed. Oh, yeah, and, then, so and then <laughs> shouted at me and his mom, why are we watching this movie? <laughs> So yeah, but yes, a very, both of those are high on my list. Um, okay, okay. Excellent. What is your favorite travel spot? Oh, wow. Um, you know, back in the day, 
you know, in my 30s or something, I would probably, I would have said the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, that has changed dramatically. And, and I've, I've gotten a little older, so I, I don't need that, all, you know, all of that. And there were lots of surf shops and skateboard shops and, you know, I, but that was just drawn to it. So I spent, you know, a few of my high school summers working on the Outer Banks of North Carolina just because I loved it so much. But over the last 10 years, I would say I've really developed an appreciation for more quiet um, nature reserves along the beach. And, um, you know, I think, which one would it be? Um, You know, Rhode Island has a a place called Second Beach. And in the winter, it's almost absolutely empty. The waves get big because it's a sheltered spot. Um, that faces south and draws up a lot of a lot of surf and it's really it's really intense you know there's a cliff that hangs out so you know probably somewhere along the coastline on the east coast is still my favorite place to go excellent you should check out the netflix series outer banks um which i know that like a lot of uh, a lot of people are are watching and you might be able to relive that earlier uh, that <laughs> earlier vacation spot <laughs> maybe you know one of the reasons i stopped going it, when i was in high school there were you could count the number of homes that were actually in the outer banks you know as you went south mm-hmm. on on two hands now it's 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 very um it's very popular. So they've built tons and tons of residencies and it's become a little bit more uh, commercial. So it just doesn't have that same flavor that it used to. So I bet this, you know, I, I'm definitely gonna check that show out, but I bet it would terrify me. It would bring back you know, um, what, what it's actually turned into, which is great, uh, but just not what I was used to when I was a kid. Right. Um, paddling way out into the water with no one else around, I mean, those types of they're very uh, intense experiences, <laughs> but there are also a lot more sharks now, so I'd rather do that. <laughs> that's why I. That's a that's a plus for me as a shark enthusiast. Um, if you had to, speaking of sharks, if you had to eat one meal every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh gosh, um, do I give you an honest answer here, or do <laughs> I try to choose something that's going to be? Um, <laughs> Honestly, it would be chickpeas and salad with a little bit of lemon juice and uh, maybe a tiny bit of oil and salt. Just, just something simple, but I, I can never stop eating that. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's so delicious, but also it provides just about everything you could need to, to survive on. With that said, um, I've been on my own. My, my, my fiance is still in Massachusetts, uh, where I came from. And I shouldn't tell her this or, or really anyone else, but gosh, there are lots of good pizza places here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and it's really easy for me now that I'm still unpacking and trying to get settled in to, to find a, a delicious pizza that's only right up the street. Uh, and I could easily survive off of that for who knows how long. You know, what's funny about this question to me is that I do actually eat the same thing for every meal every day. And, and I do that largely because I don't like to have to think too much about what I eat, especially for breakfast and lunch. But if asked that question, the answer is always pizza. Like if- Absolutely. <laughs> not alone. That's, that's great. I've been, I've been harboring this inside. It finally feels good to just let it out. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I think this one might be a toughie, but if your house were burning down, what's the one non-living thing you would save? Oh, wow. 
what's the one non-living thing that I would say? Well, I mean, I, I would say my phone. That's horrible, but um, <laughs> um, that's factual. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's really, you know, right now it it, it wouldn't work. I, I would have a hard time doing this. But I, you know, when I moved here, the only thing that I obsessed about having was was a big table, a big wooden. Uh, what they call a chopping block table. Um, I, 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 if, if my house were on fire, I'd be doing everything I could to get. It took so much effort and so much energy, and I, you know, I worked on that project. Gosh, since I, I talked to you for the first time, Georgina, about <laughs> when I was going to move, I just needed a nice table to sit at. Um, so I've been effortlessly. I would try to save that. Okay, you know, it's a part of me now. It's yeah. just a. I think that works. I think that we can count that. So, I mean, it's going to be but, tricky. I think that I think the firefighters would discourage that. that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they would have a difficult time with me with this two hundred right. pound table. <laughs> so, um, all right, last one. Uh, what is a TV show or movie you are ashamed to admit that you love? Oh gosh, what is? Um... You know, it, it, I probably should have said this was my favorite movie, but um, because I'm ashamed, it's it's Point Break. Oh, you know, with Patrick Swayze <laughs> and um, you know Keanu Reeves. Back before, I, I I I still I could watch that movie again today. I've probably seen it 15, 20 times. Dude, I grew up. <laughs> I support this answer uh, as well. Yeah, Patrick Swayze was actually really talented. He wrote oh. all of the songs for, for Dirty Dancing, and he, you know, quite an amazing actor, too. I think. You don't I have will... to rationalize your choice. No. It's all right. <laughs> no. Just to be clear, no one has to rationalize a love of Swayze to me ever, right? <laughs> Whether it's Point Break or Roadhouse or, frankly, Dirty Dancing, I will, I will, that's a hill I'll die on, that that's one of the best movies <laughs> of all time. I, I literally am comfortable saying this is a, this is worth fighting for. So, yeah, <laughs> right, right. I, I stand by all this. Herb, it has been amazing to talk with you today. Um, I oh, really, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you for being on the show and, and for humoring us with some uh, tough questions. Um, I, uh, I really, really have enjoyed talking with you. Um, I, I want to shout out another thank you to our intern, Kelsey. Uh, Kelsey, you can see yeah, her work you. firsthand if you give us a follow at Psych and Stuff, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That is a good place to ask questions, to request topics for episodes, um, all sorts of things. Uh, you can follow me uh, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Anger Professor. Um, and of course, Georgina, where, where are you? What's your handle? I'm at Georgina WD. So G-E-O-R-J-E-A-N-N-A-W-D. And I'm now on TikTok as well. Just oh. not as famous as Ryan is. Don't, don't you dare wow. follow me. I, in my world, TikTok is only people I don't know. So whenever people <laughs> I know respond to things, I freak out a little bit. So I, I did a post about teaching the other day and a bunch of former students responded to it. And I was just like, no, what are you doing? Don't look at me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, outstanding. Thank what, you. Is TikTok, is that a big clock? Sorry. Yes. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Yeah, I just dated myself massively. Yeah. That is outstanding. 
All right. Psychology and Stuff is a production of Phoenix Studios at the University of Wisconsin Green Bay. The executive producer is Ryan Martin and the production manager is Kate Farley. Our audio production coordinator is Bill Salad. Our graphic designer is Kimberly Gleese. And our intern is Kelsey Engelhardt. Special thanks to today's guest, Dr. Herb Covington. If you haven't already, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. You can also head over to our website, uwgb.edu slash podcasts, and check out past episodes of this and all our shows. I'm your host, Ryan Martin, and I'm here with my co-host, Georgina Wilson-Dungis. Keep being amazing. Music